The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 20th chapter. For the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And going out about the third hour, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And to them he said, you go into the vineyard too, and whatever is right, I will give you. So they went. Going out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour, he did the same. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing. And he said to them, why do you stand here idle all day? They said to him, because no one has hired us. He said to them, you go into the vineyard too. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last up to the first. And when those hired about the eleventh hour came, each of them received a denarius. And when those hired came first, they thought they would receive more. But each of them also received a denarius. And on receiving it, they grumbled at the master of the house, saying, These last worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, Friend, I'm doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last worker as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? So the last will be first, and the first last. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Here again these words of St. Paul from the Epistle this morning. Paul writes, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. All of us know the phrase, I think, or those of us who've lived a few years in this world, that hindsight is 2020. Ever heard that one or used that before? It's always very easy to have speculation before, but you're just guessing what's going to happen in the future. The course of action that you take, is it really going to be the best one? Well, you don't know before, but after it's done, after the event has happened, the interaction, whatever it is, well, then you know. Hindsight's 2020. You can see so clearly if the decisions you made were the right one. Theologians and pastors have a similar clever line that they use, and sometimes I think it's too clever by half, but it's a phrase that goes like this. It's providence, how God provides for us in the moment, kind of like you know, just knowing what's going to happen from the Lord. Providence is like the Hebrew language. It can only be read backwards. Like when you have to explain something, it kind of loses its interest or funny. But I'm going to explain this one to you just so you understand what I'm saying. Hebrew, you read from right to left. We read English from left to right, like most of the European languages, all of them really. But Hebrew, it's from right to left. And so if you want to see how the Lord was working in your life, well, you got to read it backwards. That is hindsight's 2020. Let's just say hindsight's 2020 and leave that Hebrew one in the, in the box. Well, the point is the same, right? We have clarity about something after the fact, and that is particularly so with the topic the instance of God working good through bad things and bad situations. All of you probably also know this verse, or many of you at least have heard it before, from Romans chapter 8. 
Paul, again, writes, For those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. It's a great verse to memorize. If you're looking for, say, I should memorize more Bible verses, start with that one. It's a great one to keep in your mind. Because it's a constant reminder that God is in control. And he's even blessing us through the valleys of the shadow of death that we walk through in this life. But even still, comforting as it is to know that verse abstractly, and I think it is for the Christian, we believe it's true, it's always more comforting, I'd say we're more appreciative whenever we can see what Paul is talking about in that verse happening too. Right? We believe it's true. We believe God does good work, all good for us and for Christians, those called according to his purpose. We believe it. But whenever it's possible, we would like that belief, we would like that faith to be, as it were, replaced by sight. Right? Do we not want to see the evidence that he does and has and is working? I want you to consider Joseph, the patriarch, from our Old Testament lesson last week. Genesis chapter 50 one of the absolute best passages in the Bible about forgiveness and reconciliation. But you also have this in that passage. It's a good little summary of God working good through bad things. And you have this added bonus to it to boot. The good through the bad was obvious and observable in the end, such to where Joseph could actually identify it and say, that's what it was. Just a brief summary, you know what happens. Joseph sold by his jealous brothers into slavery. He's gone for years and years, goes from bad situation to bad situation, suffering slander, suffering prison, suffering the separation from his family. But finally, his fortunes, to borrow a phrase, turn around and he becomes the prime minister of Egypt. And through his interpretation of Pharaoh's dreams, can see a famine coming. And so during the years of bumper crop, they save up all of the crops so that they have food during the years of famine that come. And many people were kept alive. And sure enough, at the end, once Joseph reconciles with his brothers at the end of Genesis, and they come to him apologizing, fearing that he's going to try and get revenge on him, he says, well, what you meant for evil... God meant for good, and because of what you did to me horrible so many years ago, that selling into slavery, well, guess what? Through that, and the chain of events that happened after, God kept a multitude of people in Egypt and the surrounding areas alive and well. That's what Joseph sums up, and they reconcile, Genesis ends, and then the next we know it's 400 years later, and we begin the book of Exodus. But to Joseph, though, even though he had those wonderful, magnificent words of wisdom and perspective, and it's no false humility, he believes what he's saying, I do wonder what he was feeling and thinking during the many years that led up to that final scene, that final interaction with his brothers at the end. What was Joseph the man feeling in his heart, thinking in his mind during the years of captivity, suffering the slander of Potiphar's wife, being in prison and being forgotten about by the people whom he helped, would he not have had the question in his mind at least once or twice maybe, what is this for? What good can come out of this? 
Now, maybe Joseph was a little more pious than that, right? After all, think about it. Before Moses had the sixth commandment, centuries before the sixth commandment, you shall not commit adultery, was given on Mount Sinai, you have Joseph saying to Potiphar's wife, no, <laughs> saying no to her advances. That's piety right there. No sixth commandment, he's already saying can't do it. But if I were in a situation, I think I might have wondered about the why of the whole situation, the mess that he found himself in. Wondered what I personally could have done to avoid the situation in the first place. Well, maybe I was a little too vain with my brothers or something like that, or I could have run away when they were talking or something. Maybe I could have wondered what God could have done differently and that he was the one who allowed me to be in this situation. I would have wondered, I'm certain, probably, what good can come from this horrible hand that I have been dealt? I'm willing to bet that most of us who've lived a few years of life here have had something happen or other that happened, something or other happen that has made us ask these questions of God. But why, Lord, why this, why now, what good can come? We've been through difficult situations, and those of you who are younger, I'm sorry, but that's just life. Life has those things. It throws them at you. Sometimes not just difficult situations, but terrible situations. Not sickness or injury, and loss, and even, yes, death. We ask, why God in those times? What good God can come from this? And maybe having been in these situations in the past, we haven't vocalized them or even prayed them, but in our mind, I'm certain that most of us have wondered these things. We've asked ourselves that, at least. It's not because in those moments we don't believe in God or we don't trust his gracious hand for us in our lives. Though I would say this, if there's ever been a time where we have rightly ourselves prayed, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief, it's then. But I think we have these questions because we genuinely, we genuinely want to know in the face of something bad, how can good come from this, this bad thing? Well, the answer is so very clear, and it is so very comforting and true when we do think about it. It is that we, in those situations, must still, in spite of the circumstances, trust in the Lord and wait patiently. It's hard, certainly, isn't it, in the hard points of life for us to be patient and trust in God, but that is the only recourse, that is the only thing that is there for a Christian to do. In the first place, and this is kind of a hard word, but it's a true word, it's there in the Bible in black and white. Number one, God is not, is not obligated to reveal his will toward us, to us, to say this is why I am God is thinking for you and your life, and here is why. And moreover, he's not obligated to bend it toward us. We're his creatures, and he's God after all. But second, it is this. God's word is true. He can and he will work all good things, all things for our good, rather, in the midst of evil. Just like he delivered Joseph and the multitude of people, 
He did that not in spite of Joseph's misery, but think about it. Through Joseph's misery, God accomplished that. Paul, from our epistle this morning, it says, when he wrote to the Philippians, he was in prison. Not a great place to be. But what does he say in those words? Through his imprisonment, the name of Christ was being shared with the imperial guard. And at the same time, the church there, the brothers, they were emboldened in their faith and their confession. And if those aren't enough for you, for examples, think of Jesus Christ himself. To his followers on Good Friday and Holy Saturday, what looked like defeat, what certainly made them dejected and scared, was actually at that very time that they felt that way, the work of their salvation. Their sins being atoned for and a resurrection about to happen, which would ensure that all who believe in Jesus would follow in resurrected glory. The golden thread through these stories and many others like them in the scripture is the same. Bad things do happen in life. God is always there working good through them. He's working good for the glory of his name, the praise of his name. He's working good for the benefit of his greater church. He's working good through them for the salvation of you, his people. And so when you find yourself in that situation, Remember the Lord's promise to you to work all things for your good. And with that promise, remember this, his very good track record for keeping that promise to people. And even if at the time you cannot figure out why or how or what in the future, like you can't connect the dots yourself, well, that's where the patience comes in, waiting in the Lord to act. Because even when you can't see it, the Lord is still there, and he is still working good. And either one day you yourself, along with Joseph and his brothers, like Joseph and his brothers, will be able to see the good that he worked in this life with your own eyes, or perhaps you won't. But regardless, one day you will see him. And the memory of whatever sorrow or questions or doubt you had will vanish forever as you enjoy heaven with your God forever. Amen.